All right, friends, Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust uh, for your injury case. Uh, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Biden is, according to Yahoo News, making history by joining striking U.S. car workers. The mainstream media is elated over the fact that Biden is the first elected uh, president in office uh, to join striking employees in modern history. So, yes, historic first for a sitting U.S. president is the way they call it. Now, this is a day before Donald Trump is intending to make his own appearance uh, in Michigan. He's going to be at a parts supplier. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. So Biden gets out there. And of course, you know, it's the usual rhetoric. In this story, you know, the way it's being heralded by the mainstream media says this is a win. This is a huge win. Biden told workers that the big three, now that's referring to Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, uh, which is Chrysler, were doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing incredibly well, too. Meaning, of course, the wealth should be spread evenly there with the workers. And so, well, he also told them that... Wall Street didn't build the middle class. Unions did. It's all standard Biden rhetoric. Uh, This is uh, today just a quick little blurb to give you a flavor of what was going on. Wall Street didn't build the country. The middle class built the country. Built the middle class. That's a fact. So let's keep going. You deserve what you've earned, and you've earned a hell of a lot more than you're getting paid now. Thank you very much. Woo! Go Biden giving away other people's money, which is what every Democrat loves to do. Uh, by the way, nobody, nobody mentioning or stopping here, pausing to say that Wall Street gave Biden fifty-one million and only ten million to Trump in the last election. So I guess that's a convenient, uh, convenient thing to forget. Uh, now Biden, of course, told them. Yeah, the guys reserve, you know, deserve a raise um, and uh, said that the union is the one who saved the auto industry back in 08 and 04. Uh, listen to this. Wall Street didn't know the country. You guys, UAW, you saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made a lot of sacrifices. Gave up a lot. And the companies were in trouble. But now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing All right, let's talk about this. Because of course this is pure and complete total demagoguery. On the substance side, it is worthless. Okay, so we got we got to understand first of all that the Detroit Three, right? Ford, Chrysler, GM, 
Uh, their market share last year shrunk down to 37% of the U.S. domestic market. We have companies, uh, let's take imports out of it for a minute, but you know there are foreign companies like Toyota, Mercedes, BMW, Tesla, uh, excuse me, Tesla's a domestic company, but they all manufacture cars here domestically, and none are unionized. And there's no indication, by the way, whatsoever that the working public wants more union representation. Uh, Gallup did a poll last year, 11% of non-union workers said they were extremely interested in getting organized. And 58%, a strong majority, said they were not interested at all in joining a union. So Biden is here. He is talking to three car manufacturers, telling them essentially as he's representing the will of the workers that they need to shoulder more cost, that they need to pony up 40% raise, four-day work weeks, be less competitive, and what is it that he intends, pray tell, give them as a concession for doing this? And one of the things that I keep coming back to is the smoke and mirrors of EV sales. All right, electric vehicles. Remember, Biden has put out, the administration has put out a target, everybody, zero emissions by 2035. Well, folks, that's, that's around the corner. It's going to be here in a New York minute, less than 12 years. Think it's going to happen? But the reason I, well, well, yes and no, right? Because the demand and the supply, it's all smoke and mirrors. On the supply side, right, there's a ton of cheap money going to car manufacturers for making electric vehicles because they get these ESG environmental social governance scores that get some cheap money. So the car manufacturers, they're not, they're not making producing EVs because consumers actually want them. They're just incentivized to get a good score to get more cheap money. And on the demand side, consumers, they don't necessarily want the car. But when they're given huge government rebates, you know, they're, they're a little interested. And, and, and the business consumers, right, the people that have fleets, I don't know, take a large company that might have a lot of cars, well, I don't know, let's say Nevada Energy, right? The incentives for a company like that to go electric because that raises their own ESG scores. So the focus, right, is chasing these artificial green goals has nothing to actually do with creating products that consumers want. So these manufacturers right now are facing a real crisis. They know that this is all a joke they know that they've got these good profits, but they're on paper, you know, they're, they're there, but they know it won't last because they know that at some point, you know, they're going to have to make a product that people want to buy and the ESG train is going to run out of choo-choo power, all right? So they're being asked now to give pay and bennies out to these striking workers on the basis of inflated, silly math numbers, all the same while facing increasingly shrinking market share, fewer vehicles sold, and having their lunch eaten right in front of them by foreign and domestic manufacturers who do not have an organized labor workforce. That's the scoop 
that's the straight shot here, folks. And it's so Biden's out there. He's there for the photo op. He, he's now. By the way, he also said some stupid stuff. Uh, barely made it down the stairs. Got a tripping problem. But he's there. He gets greeted at the airport by the UAW president, Sean Fain. You know about this guy, right? He is a, a die-in-the-wool socialist, okay? He is a, a radical socialist guy. But you know what's interesting about it? He won, he won his leadership position earlier this year. I think March is when the election was. 86% of the union members didn't even bother to cast a ballot. 86% of the union didn't vote. And of the 14% that voted, this guy, who's head of the union, he's he won by 0.4%. That's thinner than the hair on my chinny-chin-chin. So why does this matter? The union boss is striking for his own glory. He knows that his position is razor-thin, won by a tiny margin among a tiny percentage of voters. So what does he have to do? He's got to make the strike happen. He's going, he has to make a case for himself, bringing these three auto manufacturers to heel. He's cementing his legacy. Typically what they do is they target maybe one manufacturer at a time. He's creating a huge photo op for, for Joe Biden. And in the end, what will happen? I, I, I think guaranteed obsolescence for one two, or maybe all three of these once great manufacturing companies. It's absolutely tragic. So I'll tell you why Trump is going here back. We got to take a quick break, but I, Trump is, he's got to make a case for all of this. And I suspect that he will by virtue of some of his comments on this. He did make a post earlier today on this topic. So it's, you know, th- this this is so it is so embarrassing. And these targets, you know, Great Britain, by the way, they already pushed back by five years their zero emission uh, goal from 2030. They had, can you believe that? They had it at 2030. The Brits moved it back to 2035. They're like, yeah, it's probably not going to work. Once you start moving it back, it's going to keep moving back. And we're, I mean, we're on track right now. I'll tell you this before we break here we are on track if we if electrification follows its current path it'll take more than 20 years to get to the biden uh, targets and as with all things when the government gets involved in matters of the economy the customer consumer always and i mean always loses sam rajofsky here news talk 840 kxnt you're listening to the what's right show brought to you by sam and ash injury law because you deserve What's right? If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. According to the communist UAW president, Sean Fain, automakers must come to their senses giving them a 36% wage increase uh, and a 32-hour work week, among other benefits, wages, and perks. Uh, Look, um, 
You can talk about the CEOs making millions of dollars all you want. I don't see that the fundamentals of the big three car manufacturers are sound, not with the government breathing down their necks to produce cars, EVs, etc., that the customers don't want. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Folks, it's basic fundamentals of economics. The only person that will tell you whether your product is a success is the customer. A customer either buys the product or doesn't. And the extent to which they're willing to trade their hard-earned cash, which of course is an increasingly limited supply these days given Bidenomics, you know, the extent to which they're willing to part with it uh, is, is a measure of your success as a creator of a product or a service. Now, I, you know, I'm just reminded of the way it used to work in the Soviet Union and in the you know, Eastern Bloc. Uh, it was, you know, the, the state decided what they would make. Every five years, they'd get together in a party congress and they'd come up with a five-year plan. It was the government deciding what products you wanted. Well, well what, what if you didn't want the product that the government was going to produce? Well, then it would st- sit on a shelf and it wouldn't get consumed. What if you wanted something that the government wasn't building? Well, you wouldn't get that. Unbelievable. Never has a system so perfectly and with so much alignment been able to provide so much as capitalism does, as a free market system does, for consumers. And the minute that you get subsidies involved, the minute that the government picks winners and losers, the minute that you use ESG ratings to determine who gets preferential bank loans, that's when you start to lose the very core efficiencies built into a free market enterprise. Now, Trump, I think, is going to go and and make this case, it seems to me at least, because this morning on Truth Social, in talking about his appearance tomorrow at Drake Enterprises in the uh, suburb of Detroit. Uh, By the way, Drake Enterprises is a non-union manufacturer. Uh, That's according to a spokesman at the AFL-CIO uh, Trump is, said this morning, hey, uh, this was a quote from his, again, from his social media post, Joe Biden's draconian and indefensible electric vehicle mandate will annihilate the U.S. auto industry and cost countless thousands of auto workers their jobs. The only thing Biden could say today that would help the striking auto workers is to announce the immediate termination of his ridiculous mandate. Anything else is just a feeble and insulting attempt to distract American labor from this vicious Biden betrayal. He's not wrong. Trump bombast and, you know, presentation aside, I, Trump is 100% right. Let the auto manufacturers create cars that people want. You, you, you know what cars people want? Uh, I, I'll tell you, last year I did something 
that I'd never done before. Let's talk cars, because I'm a car guy. I love cars. I bought something last year that's a first for me. You know what it is? Well, I'll tell you. I Last year, last November, I bought my first American car that I've ever owned. I, I, I bought a Jeep. I bought a, a Jeep Rubicon, uh, and it, it's I, I love it. It's got the V8 in it. It's got the Hemi. It sounds amazing. It is a great car. By the way, lots of fun off-roading in and around the areas here outside of Vegas. It's beautiful. Now, why did I buy I didn't buy it because I wanted an electric car. In fact, Jeep makes some electric cars and uh, to mixed reviews. Uh, but I, you know, I bought it because it, it has a V8. It's loud. It's powerful. It's everything an American car ought to be. You know what else is good looking here? We make good looking trucks. We make great Suburbans, SUVs. But those are all of the vehicles that, that Biden and his cronies the deep state people, they don't want you and I driving. They want to drive it. You think Biden's going to putt around in an armored uh, SUV or an armored limo? No, his car is, of course, going to have a V8 in it. Uh, but but the stuff we're left with is uh, we're, we're going to be driving around in golf carts. Rules for thee, not for me. And so goes it. So it's frustrating. All of this is frustrating. And it's I mean, and, and I know already, I know the playbook. I know these people like the back of my hand. What's going to happen here is, uh, and I don't want to alarm you, but eventually the big three, burdened by increased wages, burdened by uh, uh, limited work week, burdened by all sorts of things here that will be concessions to the UAW that do not help them reduce their ability to compete against other manufacturers and then also simultaneously burdened by all of the insane standards put on them by the Biden administration, they'll do what? They'll end up going broke and coming to us, the taxpayers, for a handout. Make no mistake about it, we will end up paying for this. And that's what makes what Biden's doing out there so disgusting to me because as he is trading a cheap political stunt for what surely will be billions and billions of borrowed money from China that will be the responsibility of our grandkids and great-grandkids someday, uh, and, and it's all for nothing. Get out of the way. Let these companies make a product that people actually want. They can compete. And by the way, if they can't, they don't deserve to be in the game. That's the other part of this. You know, social, socialism is where, you know, the government picks winners and losers. I prefer a free marketplace where winners are rewarded by the customers that they serve. And it is actually, quite frankly, the most efficient way to deliver goods to people. And also, by the way, the, the best way of giving people us the consumers, what we want. And all this, all this, all, everything else here is just political noise. Make no mistake about it. All right, Biden made some remarks, though, there that I want to discuss after the break. Uh, very interesting stuff. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back in a moment. 
Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit salmonashlaw.com. Welcome, friends. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Um, by the way, this EV madness, where, yes, again, I'm telling you, it's all because we're chasing these EV scores. Some companies are actually going for it on their own. What's the last company in the world you'd expect to uh, declare that they're going all electric in the near future. Last company in the world. Well, (laughs) according to the Sun newspaper, uh, Rolls-Royce said that they will start to phase out all gasoline power, diesel power from their models by 2030, go full electric. 2030. They're going to go full electric. Now, remember, this is in part because the British government said that by 2030, you got to go full electric. Uh, but uh, they've pushed it back, as I mentioned earlier. According to The Sun, Rolls-Royce was founded in 1904, built its reputation on the quiet grace of the powerful V12 engine. Well, that's not true, by the way. See, this is journalists. Rolls-Royce is famous for V8 engines. Didn't get a V12 engine until it was taken over by BMW. BMW and Volkswagen originally first first put the V12 uh, in, so that's that's not true. The Germans brought the V12 engine to uh, Rolls-Royce, but before that, they were big V8 engines. 6.75-liter engine that came around in the 70s or late 60s. Big, big V8 engines. And by the way, those uh, V8s still can be found and some of the Bentleys that were made until quite recently. So it was one of the longest-running engines. Very, very good engine. I have two cars that have that engine. You know, I collect old cars, I think I may have mentioned to you, and I've got a 1964 Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud three and a uh, Corniche Coupe, a hardtop uh, two-door uh, Corniche from 1974. Both have that engine in it, and... Um, and no, I will not be converting them to electric power. Thank you very much. Forget that. So the CEO of Rolls-Royce, Torsten Müller-Ottvos. <laughs> That's what happens when a classic British company is acquired by the Germans. Uh, said in September 2021 that the change is a dawn of a cleaner era. Now, that Rolls-Royce is making a first car. It's called the Spectra. $340,000, or so, 100% electric. And it's a two-door coupe. So if you want a, almost, I guess with options and everything, a $400,000 electric car, uh, Tobin Motors here in town, buy a Rolls-Royce there. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's going to go over particularly well. Mark my words, they're going to back away from these, from these goals. It's not going to be practical. I'm telling you, none of it is. So Biden went out there, and according to Reason, Eric Bohm writes, Biden is pandering to the 1% because 
Less than 1% of American workers are union members in manufacturing jobs. And then he makes a great point. He says, you'd never know that by watching our politics because the Democrats are out there pandering at every turn to the unions. Now, why? Well, can we take a glance here at the state of Nevada? Uh, I don't know if the, if the Democrat Party election machine would function without the help of the culinary union, for example, okay? I mean, they are essentially the Democratic Party get-out-the-vote uh, machine here in Nevada. So the Democrats pander to the unions for the cash, but also for the organizational capability. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, it's, it's an important thing to note. But whenever Biden complains about, you know, he doesn't, he's, he's not there for the one percent, you know, the one percenters, the rich Americans, the CEOs, Wall Street, etc. He's there for the other one percent, and he continues to say silly things about this. And you know what's really funny? is at his core, Biden is really not a man of the people at all. This is all lip service. Do you remember when in the 2020 election, he was out in Detroit, Detroit, his meeting with some uh, blue collar workers, uh, union workers. And there was a, and there was a, it was caught on video. The audio is terrible. So it's not worth uh, uh, playing here, but it became a meme overnight. Uh, Somebody confronted Joe Biden uh, over, I think it was gun control or something to that effect. And, and, and Biden says, I don't work for you. And, and the guy goes, you're working for me, man. The worker told Biden, I'm not working for you. Biden says, give me a break, man. Don't be such a horse's a money money. So you probably remember this from it, Biden. The minute you poke him or anything, he just turns into the biggest, you know, a hole. And so I don't, I don't know, no word if he did anything like that. He did almost stumble, though. Axios ran a piece. By, I have to get mentioned this real fast here before we move on from Biden. You know, Axios had a piece where they, they said there's a full-time uh, crew working essentially to make sure Biden doesn't trip and fall. Have you seen this? I mean, they're, they've got, it's a, they're calling it a secret mission. Yeah, that's, you know, he's got a physical therapist. He's got his wife. You'll see her quite a bit by his side, walking with him back and forth. You'll notice his shoes, too. He's not wearing dress shoes most of the time, but, you know, nice uh, shoes, but with grippy soles, soft soles, um, you know. And um, and there's apparently, you know, he, he they're doing all sorts of things to improve his, his balance, uh, because they're worried that he's one fall away from completely losing all credibility of his, uh, his uh, ability to be able to go and run for re-election. So that's all of that's all of that's happening. Um, all right, super. I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break. A little bit early here. I want to get into. I got it. I got to talk to you guys about what happened in Canada. I know you've you've seen this. Uh, well. Never underestimate the stupidity of the Canadian government run by Justin Trudeau. They brought a guy in. They, it was a Ukrainian-Canadian guy who served in the Ukrainian military, or so the story went, bravely 
fighting for the freedom of Ukraine back during World War II. And then only after giving him a standing ovation in Parliament did it come out that this guy was a legit bona fide Nazi. I mean, he actually served in what was then an SS regiment. So I have some thoughts on this when we come back. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. This is such a bizarre story. I, I'm sorry I'm just getting to it now. So much going on this week. Sam Rajofsky uh, here on The What's Right Show. Folks, uh, a guy named Yaroslav Hunka, who is a Ukrainian uh, gent, moved to Canada after the Second World War, and suddenly, uh, all these many years later, had a prominent coming-out party in the, in the middle of Parliament, a session of Parliament, uh, attended, of course, presided over by Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of the Canadian nation. I believe uh, this was an event also attended by Zelensky, who was there visiting as part of his tour of the U.S. and Canada. Uh, They were applauding this guy for being a Canadian, Ukrainian-Canadian patriot. And within days, it was discovered that after the two standing ovations that he received, that this guy actually served uh, in the Waffen-SS. Now... First off, let me. Uh, this is a criticism of, of, I think, political discourse generally in our country, which is, you know, two things can be true at the same time. And when it comes to history, uh, unfortunately, uh, we here in the U.S., even before education went to total crap, are still and have been still, by virtue of our isolation on our own, almost alone on this continent you know, Mexico and Canada, but isolated from the rest of the world, we're very American-centric. And so we're uh, pretty ignorant about history. We understand in broad strokes, the Holocaust, maybe a little bit about the French Revolution, World War II, uh, from our perspective. The Ukrainian history with Nazis and with the Soviets is very complicated. You have to understand this. The Soviet Union did such terrible things that many Ukrainians joined ranks with the Germans to get back at the at the, at the Soviets. I mean, this this is true. It doesn't. It's not a defense. I'm just telling you that's that's the situation on the ground. Now, it doesn't make. I'm, there's no doubt that this guy, if he. I guess he was a Waffen-SS volunteer. I'm sure he did terrible things. And, and by the way, now the Polish government is considering a war crimes extradition request to Canada. So this poor guy lives out, what is he? He's 98 years old, has, thinks he's gotten away or far from as possible from his Nazi past. <laughs> now, um, in literally the last minutes of his life is having his whole uh, situation uprooted all for the sake of Justin Trudeau's photo op. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this and, 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 and one, never underestimate the stupidity of Justin Trudeau. Who didn't figure this out? 
right? And and why, what was the point of any of this? What did this bring to the session of parliament there that Zelensky attended? They have to bring out a Ukrainian guy from World War II. Anybody, anybody with half a brain and knowledge of Ukrainian history would have would, would have known that this this is this is a minefield because lines were blurred back then. Again, I'm not making a judgment call about any of that. I'm just telling you it's it's it was it was blurry. If you were in a Ukrainian villager and you lost your whole family to the Holodomor to f- forced starvation by the Soviets by Stalin, you you would you know the enemy of your enemy is your friend. So I'm I mean I it, it, you, we can't even begin to put ourselves in that position. Now, here's another thing that's true if we're going to talk about Ukraine. There's no doubt that their sovereign, their territorial sovereignty was violated by, uh, by Moscow, by the Russians. But you know what else is true? I don't know where the hell this money is going and for what. Do you see this, Robbie, that, what is it, billions of dollars, 56 billion or so in round numbers is being sent to Ukraine just to pay people who are like salaries of first responders, police, etc. It's not even going to military spending. We're already rebuilding a nation that is in a war under attack and a war that it, you know, may or may not win. There's there's no thinking going into any of this. And I guess when I, I that's this stunt with this old Nazi guy is a perfect metaphor for how all thinking, all logic goes out the door, out the window, the minute that the left starts talking about Ukraine. I'm, listen, I, I, if I, my, my preference is Ukraine win the war and push back the, the, the Russians. I mean, that's my, my preference. But these mass displays of hysteria and elation have, give me, give me, not good feelings at all. I think they make me deeply suspicious of, of, of all of this. And, uh, and I, I tell you, the, the money that we are spending with no clear objective in sight, with no strings attached, and the conditions, by the way, this is the real scandal of it all. Uh, you know, you go back to, you go back to the early stages of this. When Biden began sending military hardware over to Zelensky, and he he was placing all sorts of conditions in ways that it could and couldn't be used. And I remember telling you here uh, on this on this program many times that I thought the purpose of getting military hardware when you're engaged in a war where you're being attacked by a more powerful aggressor is to do everything in your power to win the battles and to win the war and to repel the enemy back to where they came from. But no, Biden being the moron that he is and surrounded by a bunch of people who probably wanted to see this conflict rage on longer than it needed to, placed all sorts of conditions. Well, you can't shoot this missile across the Russian border. What do you mean? So the Russians are going to amass their military equipment just on the other side of the border and and the Ukrainians can't attack it? Are you kidding me? It was all of this has been a total joke. So I'm I don't I I I don't know what I don't know what to make of it. 
I don't know. It's it's an absolute mess. And it's and and I I'll say this again for every person who is on Twitter right now with a little Ukrainian flag on there that is a fabulous signal for us sort of like when somebody wears a mask out in public. It's a it's a it's a a, a little indicator that they've been completely lobotomized and that anything that they write is probably nonsense. For every person that has that little flag and who simultaneously thinks that Trump is mean and nasty, I want you to know something, and it's and listen to me. This is as true as it gets. You didn't like the orange man. The orange man said mean things that hurt your feelings. You thought orange man did the things that the media accused him of doing. You voted against orange man. And now... Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians are dead. That's it. There's no other way to put it. This, none of this, it's a great story, right? And people were in the room when the call took place. Remember, yeah, Putin had a phone call with Trump. And, uh, and, and there was some, you know, noise that he would be invading Ukraine and and uh, and Trump just says, "Hey, Vladimir, don't do it. Oh, I will bomb the hell out of you. You don't want to test me." And that's yeah, the way it's recounted, right? And the, you know, the truth is, it was just crazy enough of a thing to say that made people stop and think. In the room is including including Putin. Is Trump serious or is he not? But he didn't want to test it. And the predictability, the sad, basic predictability of Joe Biden and knowing what the people around him are going to do, these technocratic left-wing nincompoops have Putin in complete and total power. This war, all of this destruction was all preventable. And everybody that raged against Trump being a, a this, that, and the other now can, can, can well— they can be so happy that they that they saved America from Trump and take all of their care for Ukraine and explain it to them why hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians are dead. Absolutely despicable. It makes me so upset when I just think about this. Unbelievable. By the way, speaking of this, there's a well, Trump poked the hornet's nest again. He he um I love this. He, 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 just, he will not stop doing it, which I am now actually starting to really enjoy. Yeah, tr- Trump got up there and and um, and he 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 said something about Millie. He wrote a little piece about Millie. Speaking of, by the way, because Millie was a guy who was undermining Trump in the you know in the in the final stages of the Trump press, probably even earlier. And frankly, Trump should have fired Millie early, early on. Millie is was then uh, Joint Chiefs uh, head. And he was, he was, you know, known to basically signal, he signaled to the Chinese that, you know, to disregard things that Trump was saying because, you know, there were adults in the room and they would prevent him from doing anything crazy. And that was one of the best pieces of leverage we had, just like I described the situation with Putin, you know, dealing with China, giving the Chinese, giving our enemies... The idea that, that Trump was just a little bit wacko and would not follow a playbook was what gave us leverage 
And Milley is the guy who undercut, undermined Trump because he's too stupid to see 10, you know, inches in front of his face. So now Trump put on Truth Social something about what ought to happen to Milley. And the whole liberal world has exploded. I got to bring this to you when we come back. It all ties together. Again, I'm telling you, the Ukraine war never would have happened under Trump's watch. Would not have happened. All right, folks, got to take a quick break here. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Uh, So, friends, I got to tell you something about Trump. One of the qualities that he had was to say crazy things. And this was constantly explained to us by both the mainstream media and all of the smart people in the intelligence community as an enormous liability. You remember it. You were there. You heard it. You know, Trump would bluster and say something to the Chinese and they would say, oh, this is so dangerous. You can't talk like this to our allies. And I remember in the midst of it, explaining it this way. If you can keep your enemies guessing, you've got them on their toes, and they are far less likely to be able to apply their evolved game theory to whatever it is that you're threatening because they're not sure if the threat is real or if it was just said that day, etc. One of the greatest advantages, I would say, Uh, to, let's say, North Korean diplomacy, if you can call it that, is the fact that their president, who is by all accounts, or their leader, dictator, right, is a, a, a very strategic thinker, okay? People that know him and have, you know, or according to South Korean, you know, intelligence folks, they they say the guy's a strategic guy, but he likes to do things that are unpredictable because it makes everybody worried that he's a madman. Now, to a in a more civilized and and low key way, Trump did the exact same thing. If you'll remember and recall at the start of the Ukraine conflict, when we began giving weapons and assisting Ukraine. Uh, Putin and through, well, through, it wasn't Putin himself, but through his various spokespeople, went out and said that the West is essentially tempting nuclear war. And what did that make you think, right? What did that make people in this country think? This, this made people consider the fact, oh my gosh, we, we might get, don't do anything, stop, you know, they, they might, they might. Putin's so crazy he might launch nuclear missiles at us. Will he? Probably not. But that slight questioning of whether he might is enough to give you pause, give us pause. This was Trump's greatest, greatest talent. He made 
our enemies for the first time deal with a president that was truly unpredictable and they couldn't figure him out. It was great. They've got Biden figured out. They had him figured out before he even became president. In the case of the Chinese and the Ukrainians, they already knew he was bought and paid for. Okay, they, they had bought and paid for him. <laughs> He's purchased. But now we go back to the case of Mark Milley because it all blew open this week. What was Trump put out there on Truth Social? Got it right here. Uh, Mark Milley, this is what Trump said. Mark Milley, who led perhaps the most embarrassing moment in American history with his grossly incompetent implementation of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's, um, you know, he's handed over billions of dollars, finest military equipment ever made to the Taliban. Uh, this will be a time for all citizens of the USA to celebrate. This guy turned out to be a woke train wreck who, if the fake news reporting is correct, was actually dealing with China to give them a heads up on the thinking of the president of the United States. Now, what is he referring to here? He's referring to the fact that Mark Milley, it's widely reported, was back-channeling with China, telling him, don't take what Trump is saying seriously. We won't let him do anything too crazy. Now, that's, that is an egregious act, and Trump says so. He says this act is so egregious that in times gone by, the punishment would have been death. Well, I, it's treason, all right? This is a guy in the military who's going around his commander-in-chief? You bet it is. Milley actually told the Chinese, his counterpart in China, that he would warn them if Trump made any military moves against China. Can you believe that? Telling the enemy what the commander-in-chief is thinking? And instead of reporting on that, the media is obsessing over the fact that Trump is calling Milley to be executed and that this is yet another example of Trump being completely off his rocker. Here's Joy Reid. Uh, she gave an unhinged monologue last night just on this subject. He is clearly unwell. He spent the weekend firing off unhinged rants, essentially calling for the execution of outgoing Joint Chiefs Chairman and General Mark Milley. Just stop and think about that for a moment. The former president of the United States openly suggested that a decorated U.S. general should maybe be killed for making a phone call to protect this country from its mad president. In a healthy democracy, what Trump did, let alone what he did on January 6, 2021, would end any future claim that he had on the presidency. Now, the rest of the media can lead with questions about Biden's age, but don't you think that it's a little more consequential to ask the American people if they support threats of violence against an army general? Well, this is, he's a decorated general. This guy is a nincompoop and, a, and, a, and, a, and somebody who has presided over one military disaster after another. My criticism of Trump, of course, and I'll say it again here, is that he didn't get rid of Milley early on. When he realized, I mean, Milley's one of these people who, by the way, is deploying all the woke stuff in the military and whatnot. Now, James Clapper, who himself is a completely discredited CIA guy, intelligence guy, right? Uh, somebody who what we, we now know has conspired against Trump himself, uh, tries to contextualize Trump's comments as disloyalty. You know, his definition of uh, treason is 
anyone who criticizes him or whom he perceives as, as disloyal. That is really not the, uh, the legal definition of treason uh, at all. So he'll lash out at anyone, attack anyone whom he views as uh, not loyal, not sufficiently loyal to him. Uh, certainly we took hits in the intelligence community and, and now, of course, uh, he's directed us toward the military uh, as an institution and towards General Milley personally. Yeah. yeah. Disloyalty? A person, uh, a high-ranking military official warning the enemy of the thinking of the commander-in-chief? is That's disloyalty? Personal disloyalty? It's treasonous. It is. So then Clapper takes this to mean that Trump wants to jail his personal political enemies. General Milley raised the possibility that he thought if Trump was reelected, he would throw his opponents in jail. He said that he would be at the top of the list. Do you think that that's a real concern? And are you concerned that you could be on Trump's enemies list? Well, sure. Uh, I think there are probably uh, a lot of people uh, that are potentially uh, on such a list. Uh, and again, that's, uh, that's reprehensible. Uh, I, I think General Milley's comment was he didn't think uh, President Trump would uh, be reelected. Well, I'm not so sure about that. So, yeah, that's a, that's a real concern for, uh, for many of us. Well, I'll tell you something. Clapper actually does belong in jail. Um, he, he lied, not to a Republican, not to Trump. He lied to Senator Ron Wyden. He's a Democrat from Oregon back in March of 2013. Wyden asked him, and by the way, back then he was head of the NSA, if the NSA collects any type of data at all on American citizens. Clapper answered no, in spite of the fact that the NSA's bulk metadata collection system that they were using on Americans in American soil, plugging right into the AT&T and other carriers' mainframes um, was going on and was, 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 absolutely, um, was, was absolutely a bald-faced lie. Now, government let the five-year statute of limitations run on that. Uh, there are other problems here with Clapper. Uh, so, so nobody wants to check. I love that they're still, the left is still bringing Clapper in uh, and and these these deep state guys as as somehow uh, truth tellers in all of this. Now it gets even crazier. I gotta take a quick break. The Lincoln Project chimed in on this too. Look, here's the plain truth. Trump is calling it how it is. If it was an insane statement, if it went over the edge, I would be the first to tell you. But the way he write, writes it, I mean, he's right. If, it, if this had happened in World War II, if Eisenhower had uh, decided to uh, call a hostile state, not even one that we we're maybe directly in conflict with, but a hostile country to give them advance notice of, of, let's say, Truman's thinking, I'm pretty certain he'd be court-martialed or worse, but not, not in 2020 America that is, as long as you're in the deep state and you're fighting against Trump, you can do anything you want. That's the message. And that, my friends, is unacceptable. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show.
right, I have to tell you this real fast. Uh, I guess Target now is closing. This is according to the Star Tribune. Uh, closing nine stores across four states because of theft and crime. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, the chain, uh, Target chain, is closing stores in Harlem, in New York, Seattle, Portland, and the greater San Francisco Bay Area, effective October 21st. Uh, this is a direct consequence of jurisdictions that are that have moved away from cash bail, who have decriminalized theft, and are simply not prosecuting so-called low-level crimes. The net effect of this is that law-abiding uh, residents of these areas will not have targets. They will not have Walmarts. They will not have bodegas. They will not have stores that they can shop at. And it will lead to a further ghettoification of these neighborhoods that will make them uh, absent or bereft of any kind of uh, services that they might that they might need that they do need. It's so tragic. And it's against this backdrop. By the way, same thing's going on in L.A. They've announced a bunch of closures there. I want to point out, I saw this thing. Uh, yes, Councilman Cedric Creer. He's running for mayor uh, here in Las Vegas. He is uh, councilman for Ward 5. Calls himself the next mayor of Vegas. A little presumptuous there, Cedric, no? He put up, where did I saw this? Did he take this down? I think he might have taken it down. Oh, no, he's got it up. Yes, there we go. Two days ago, he posted a picture. This is on Instagram. He might have put it on Twitter, too. I see it on Instagram. It's him and Karen Bass. Now, who's Karen Bass? Karen Bass is the fool that runs Los Angeles. She's the mayor of L.A. So here's uh, Cedric's caption. It was a pleasure to reconnect with Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass again. We have a lot of work to do. Mayor to mayor, and I can't. Can't wait. Uh. <laughs> Cedric, let me give you a pointer here. I, I know you're you're pushing this black identity thing uh, uh, perhaps a little too far. You know, she's he does this thing online. He always like anybody who's African-American, he's African-American. So he always uh, says they're his brother or sister or whatever. OK, listen, if if Las Vegas under anyone's, let alone your leadership, adopts any of the policies that LA has adopted. We're done. We're dead in the water. This is it's it's not even it's not even close. So I you know I I'm gonna if if he if once this campaign gets underway, I mean I will do everything. I mentioned this this morning to Alan Stock when we were talking as we usually do at eight thirty on Tuesday mornings and I mentioned how I, I said listen I, I th- this is this is insanity. Even, listen, even Gavin Newsom is running away from the California legislature. You saw that earlier this week. He announced he would not be signing, essentially vetoing, a uh, requirement uh, that would take kids away from parents if they uh, refuse to affirm that child, that the child's uh, new gender. Saw that? That's, you know. Even well, well, that's because, of course, I guess look, I Gavin Newsom has to, you know, prepare himself for a national run, so he can't align himself too closely with the 
truly crazy people in the in the Democratic Party in California. But Karen Bass was, of course, one of two Democrats running in the final round. She was running against uh, Rick Caruso, who is a very successful real estate developer, a former Republican, it has to be noted, but an absolute common sense guy. He knows he could have turned L.A. around, but L.A. voters decided no. They wanted, they wanted the ex-congresswoman, who was a leftist nut, to be their mayor. So now they, I guess they've made their bed and they can, they can sleep in it. So Cedric Creer wants to work with Mayor Karen Bass uh, to bring L.A. to Las Vegas. Fabulous. Round of applause. Now, speaking of other insanity, uh, getting back to here just a, a, a moment to the complete mischaracterization of the comment that Trump made. I was read, had this thing about Milley. It was a reaction to something that was going on, but this is Mark Milley, who is the jo- Joint Chiefs chairman, and he was uh, had been contacting the, the uh, Chinese military behind Trump's back and basically telling him that he would warn them if Trump made any military moves against China, uh, he bas- put out this thing saying that 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 uh, Milley basically was uh, giving the Chinese a heads up on the thinking of the president of the United States. This is an act so egregious that in ta- times gone by, the punishment would have been death. A war between China and the U.S. could have been the result of this treasonous act to be continued. So he says the punishment would have been death and it could have a war could have been the result. And he called it a treasonous act. I played for you the response uh, by Joey Reid, James Clapper, both uh, saying that this Trump basically just wants to uh, punish anybody who he perceives to be disloyal to him. All right. And then it gets even crazier because the Lincoln Project co-founder, this is the group of anti-Trump so-called Republican nut jobs, right, that he went on Joy Reid. And this is probably one of the more insane analyses I have seen in a while. Steve Schmidt. People who are trying to tear down democracy in the country keep telling the rest of the country what it is they plan to do to such a degree that they have announced their plans six months into 2025 to have taken apart the whole of the federal government. Now, since FDR's time in office, the legislative metric in the United States has been 100 days not six months. This is a racist code whistle to every white supremacist in the country because it's how long it took Adolf Hitler to take Weimar Germany to a complete and total dictatorship. That included, by the way, the military swearing an oath of allegiance, not to the nation, but to the Fuhrer. And what Donald Trump is signaling to the officer corps of the American military, you get in line behind me, the leader, not the idea, not the Constitution, or I'm coming for you, too. So when Trump and even some other Republicans of Vivek Ramaswamy, for example, say that it's been, you know, that within a very short period of time, they're going to dismantle the Justice Department, the FBI, and kind of start over, giving it six months that that is somehow a racist code whistle to every white supremacist because that's how long it took Adolf Hitler to take Weimar Germany to a complete and total dictatorship. That's a quote. When I tell you folks that the Trump derangement syndrome is real, that long, you know, that long TDS is a thing, 
I give you this as yet another example of it. These people are deranged, and they cannot see things factually. They look for things. They, they, and this is the same group of people that say, we want to see a video of Joe Biden taking a bribe, because until I see a video, I'm not going to believe any of it. And then they turn around and they say, because Trump may have said it's going to take six months to dismantle the deep state, that it's a they're reading into it and imputing uh, white supremacist neo-Nazi intents and a nod to Adolf Hitler taking down the Weimar Republic. I, I can't even make this stuff up. True Trump derangement. Unreal. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. I'll be back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, friends, welcome back to the program. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Now, uh, the, the government shut down, uh, obviously, news covering it as well, uh, four days or so away, although I would, um, I would caution you all that there is a certain amount of runway that is available. So it's not, you know, the four-day mark here is, you know, there's some wiggle room, and it could be up to three, maybe even four weeks. So with that said, uh, various folks are chiming in. For example, Mitch McConnell yesterday uh, talking about the shutdown and and giving his preference of what he would like to see. McConnell did not seize up during these remarks. Doesn't also seem like he is particularly in great health, but does give some insight as to what he, as the minority leader in the Senate, is thinking. Well, we're waiting to see what the House is going to do on a continuing resolution. I think all of you know I'm not a fan of government shutdowns. I've seen a few of them over the years. They never have produced a policy change, and they've always been a loser for Republicans uh, politically. So that's it. They've been a loser for Republicans politically. Do you know what I really love? I love when Republicans accept the fate that they've been handed by the media, by the establishment media, mainstream media, by uh, the Democrats— by the lies that are told about them. This is why we as Republican voters have had it up to our gills with Republican leadership. This is why we can't take the rhinos anymore. These people are constantly, and I mean constantly, capitulating because they are accepting the premise that the media puts out there for them. By the way, this is an example of why Trump is so successful because he doesn't accept any of the premises and he just, he'll, he'll you know, and by the way, nine, nine, more than nine out of 10 times, he's spot on. But he ta- tackles one sacred cow after another. And the idea, right, that Republicans are going to get blamed for this, it, it, maybe Republicans ought to be communicating more like Matt Gates. So Pete Buttigieg uh, went on ABC's Sunday's show on ABC with Martha Raddatz talking about the government shutdown. Uh, Raddatz says, our poll found that Americans would blame Democrats for a possible shutdown. 
uh, more than Republicans. Um, how do you explain that? And this was his answer. This is the exchange. Our poll found that more Americans would blame Democrats for a possible shutdown than Republicans. How do you explain that? I just don't think that's how it's going to actually play out in a Republican shutdown. Uh, you know, uh, this is because Republicans can't, uh, on the Hill, can't even agree among themselves. And remember, Kevin McCarthy and uh, Speaker McCarthy and, and President Biden made a deal. And now all we're doing is asking them to live up to that deal. If the House Republican conference is in such chaos that they can't even accept a deal that they supported earlier this year, or in the words of one uh, House Republican, take yes for an answer, uh, then I think Americans are going to see very quickly how we got in that situation. You know what the actual numbers are, by the way? It is interesting. And this is where Mitch McConnell, you know, it, it, he's got it a little bit wrong uh, because there's the numbers are a little bit more. OK, so Republicans and here's according to the ABC Washington Post poll. This is the same one we talked about yesterday that had Trump beating Biden by a handy margin which I think is lends it, it gives it some credibility for being true. Uh, Republicans in Congress would get, 33% think the Republicans in Congress are to blame. 40% think Biden and Democrats uh, in Congress. So both Republicans and Biden and Democrats, 19%. No opinion, 8%. So if you, you know, the ones that are, only a third of the public, in other words, thinks exclusively that Republicans in Congress are to blame. And that's even less than the total number of, of skew of Democrats nationally, right? So that means even some, you know, Democrats, registered Democrats, think it's not necessarily Republicans in Congress who are to blame. It's fascinating. Now, people are dismissing this poll as an outlier, but, um, you know, but I'll tell you, uh, there's another poll that dropped today, Morning Consult. There's a shutdown poll. They're doing all this. 34% would blame congressional Republicans. 44% would blame Democrats. 21%, by the way, of those would blame congressional Democrats. 23% would blame Biden. Biden's getting blamed for this because he's sleepwalking through it. So, you know, this is... This is, by the way, this is a, a big time debate topic. So tomorrow for the D GOP debate, we got to get into that a little bit. It's it's no doubt going to come up, uh, but it's it's just fascinating. So here's Biden on the shutdown. Remember, by that latest poll that came out, forty four percent think it's the Democrats' problem, and this is Biden's take in on it. In the meantime, it. I want to say a word about uh, those in Congress who are willing to shut down the government. Just a few months ago, the Speaker of the House and I agreed to uh, spending levels uh, for the government. Now, a small group of extreme House Republicans, they don't want to live up to that deal. And everyone in America could be faced with, uh, uh, with paying the price for that. We changed it. We made a deal. We shook hands. We said, this is what we're going to do. And now they're reneging on the deal, which is not much of a surprise these days. And the black community in particular is going to suffer if that occurs. Uh, it's all the Republicans' fault and nothing else. So Republicans are looking to advance four different spending bills early this week. So this is an effort that will, I mean, it's not necessarily going to avoid a shutdown, uh, but it will help It will help move some funds through. Um, there's, a, 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 there's a bill, let's see, Department of Defense bill, 
Department of Homeland Security funding, Department of State and Foreign Operations, Department of Agriculture, Rural Development, Food and Drug Administration, etc. Um, GOP faces opposition because the bills aren't yet stripped of Ukraine funding, and it's something that they absolutely want. So it's, you know, again, they want line item bills, single subject spending bills. We funding Department of Defense. Okay, here's what's in it. Defending, spending money for Homeland Security, here's what's in it, etc. That's what they want. So I think, you know, independents and even some Democrats are getting pretty wise to the talking points. And Mitch McConnell, I mean, it, bless his heart, he's, he's, he's living in the past. It's time, and, and I'm not, a, not this kind of person focused on the age thing. I really am not. I don't think we should have age limits. I, that's absurd. I think, you know, Thomas Sowell has a better brain than Biden did when he was 45 years old, okay? So I would take Thomas Sowell in his 90s over a 50-year-old Joe Biden all day long. So with that said, what am I actually, you know, concerned with here? I, I'm concerned with having leadership that has uh, knowledge and is in tune with what the moment is all about. And right now there's a moment, there's a possibility for Republicans to, to take the conversation away from where it's always been, shut down bad Republicans, you know, all this. Going, no, we need to be fiscally responsible. It's time to balance the budget. And lest you forget, it was all the way back in 1994 when a Republican majority in the House was unthinkable that a much younger Newt Gingrich drafted his contract with America and led a Republican revolt in Congress. And he did it principally, right, fundamentally, on the promise of balancing the budget. That, that, my friends, is always a talking point that should sell. And for all the McConnells and, and, and McCarthy's of the world, they need to get with this program too sweet. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. All right, the second Republican debate will be on uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, 6 p.m. at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Uh, it's going to live on uh, air live on Fox Business and Univision. So Fox News... Stuart Varney, Dana Perino, and Univision's Ilya Calderon will moderate. Rumble will be the exclusive live stream for the de- uh, exclusive live stream for the debate. So, what's the difference now between the first and second debate? The Republican National Committee has made it a little bit harder for candidates to get on the debate stage. All right. Uh, to debate uh, 48 hours before the start of the debate, candidates will need to do a couple of things, a few things. Each be at least 3% in two national national polls or 3% in one national poll and 3% in two polls conducted from separate early nominating states. So New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, even Iowa, etc. Um, they have to provide evidence of having at least 50,000 unique donors 
okay? And they have to sign the pledge, right? which I think they had to do before. So nine candidates, including Trump, qualified for the first debate. Um, and six of those candidates appear to have met the donor and polling thresholds. So, so far, it looks like we're going to invite it to this debate. Uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, and of course, uh, former President Donald J. Trump, who will not be there. And he will be doing his own counter-programming at the parts supply facility uh, manufacturing plant in, uh, in, in, um, in Michigan, in Detroit. So, by the way, uh, Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson, the two uh, people you probably forgot about from the first debate, uh, may have trouble qualifying. So they're, they're out not there. So just as a heads up, that's the that's the lay of the land. Now, I I mean, listen again. I, I these debates are. I, I I would predict. I'll make a prediction. I don't think as many people are going to tune into this debate than they did to the first one. Now they may get more eyeballs because it looks like they're broadcasting it in different places. They're even putting it online. So they're obviously they're 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 going to have a wider distribution in the first debate, but I think if you take it to just the cable presence, I I doubt it's going to beat the first debate. And the reason for it is clearly, if you believe the polls, more people have made up their minds. Now this is essentially a debate for people who are not voting for Trump or are still open to changing their minds on Trump. I look forward to the debate. It's going to be interesting. And of course, we'll play for you uh, pieces of it, relevant moments on Thursday. So DeSantis, folks, this is do or die for him. I, I, I said it last time. I, I think now he's clawing uh, for all for dear life. Uh, he's been passed by Nikki Haley, I believe, in two polls. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I've, I've seen a number of places where he's been been bested by Nikki Haley. It's crazy. Uh, Mike Pence, for some unexplained reason, is still in the fight. Uh, the never-Trumpers and uh, rhino Republicans all getting behind him. Chris Christie, uh, also not sure what he's doing there, but he'll be there. But he did well in the last debate. you got to hand it to him. Uh, Mike Pence was, a, 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 was nothing. Nikki Haley did okay. Ron DeSantis, it was it was terrible. It was awful. And so he's got to come into this and be a lot more confident. And maybe he will be. Maybe some of the pressure is off. Maybe he realizes that it's it's not going as as expected and he's just going to say, screw it, I'm going to be me. And nothing would be better for him than that type of attitude going into the debate. Yeah, this is... Remember when Trump did this debate? This is this will be, I believe, we'll have it with the decommissioned Air Force One, the Boeing seven hundred seven that was Reagan's one of Reagan's Air Force One jets uh, will be there in the hangar in the background. If you haven't been to the Reagan Library, it's a it's a it's a sight to behold. This is a vi- very visually stunning stage backdrop for a debate like this, and in some respects, you know, on hollowed ground as the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, many ways, the birth of the modern Republican Party, 
uh, began with Reagan in 1980. So I, you know, this th- that's that's explaining a little bit about the the, the venue. But uh, this is I don't think I don't know that this necessarily is going to emerge with a with with anything changing following this debate. Ramaswamy may pick up some. Maybe he'll he'll certainly he's a he's a a sharp guy and he'll he'll pivot a little bit from what he did before uh we're we may actually have ramaswamy on the program next week so we're we're working on that uh we've been talking to his people and um and again i admire him deeply and 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 think he's a, a remarkable candidate so we'd love to have a conversation with him and certainly we'll let you know if that if that happens um we'll see of course some of it will depend on how this debate goes and the state of the race. I, well, and and Trump, yes, Trump is Trump is going to Michigan. He's 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 going there. He's going to Drake Enterprises. It's a non-union manufacturer. This is according to the unions out there. They're very mad about this. Is going to a non-union shop, and yeah, I, I'm predicting it's going to go something along the lines of what his Truth Social post was saying that, you know, laying the blame for the pending doom in the U.S. auto industry on all of the environmental standards and restrictions that are being put on auto manufacturers to go electric in order to conform with this environmentalist agenda. And, and again, he's, not, he's, he's, he's right about this. And these are, these are moves. He's gonna, he'll, he'll outline this and, and make, a, make a case for it. Oh, by the way, Trump has committed to the Nevada caucus i was texting today with uh, mike mcdonald who is the chair of the republican party here and you know i i, I love mike uh, a good friend and i i'm we're, we're gonna get him on the program he had to leave for the debate so he's going to california for the debate but i'm i'm going to um i need to get him on to explain all of this to, to to me too quite frankly i i've i've given you my reservations about the idea of the caucus Trump, of course, immediately committed to the Nevada caucuses once this passed. I'm not surprised by that. I think that he certainly knows that this format will benefit him. Although I, I, I right now I'm telling you, if the if if a straight election was held, uh, not a caucus in the state of Nevada, I'm confident that Trump would be coming out ahead of of all the other candidates here. I, I'm I'm fairly certain of that. So. This campaign has committed to running in Nevada's caucus uh, following the state party approval of rules, uh, you know, that that ensure that the caucuses are the only of the two or the the only election that will count for the awarding of delegates from the state of Nevada. And remember, this is I've had a few different emails from uh, from you folks about this, that the party sets the rules for the delegates. So the state of Nevada can say, we're holding a primary, we're holding an election, and the party can decide essentially how they nominate their nominee. This is why, the, for example, the Democrats uh, you know, use all those superdelegates because they really want to control it. They don't want things to get messy and out of hand and have people actually decide who the president is or who their nominee is. So they, they like to keep a control on it. So the, the party could do whatever it wants. I just think it's tremendously confusing, and I also, my concern is, and I said this to Alan Stock, my concern is that we as Republicans need to vote. 
And that means getting it into our heads that we got to get out there and early vote. Don't save it for the day of the election. What if it's raining like it was last November and the lines are long and there are technical problems? We have early voting for a reason. Do it. Use it. And I've changed my thinking on this. I used to say, you know, let's sneak up on them the day of and make it more difficult for them to cheat. Well, they're going to cheat regardless. So we need to go out and vote because if every or 90% of registered Republicans were to vote here in Nevada, it would have been a Republican sweep. But we're just not getting out there and voting. Thousands of Republicans are not voting. So, so again, I'm, I'm all about us getting conditioned as a party to go out and join in elections and, and participate fully, not just sit you know, on our couches and, and, and um, pump our fists in the air and saying, how dare this country be going to hell when we did not go and cast a ballot. That, my friends, is unacceptable. All right, I'll be back tomorrow. Got more to cover then. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. All these, do you hear about all these dogs? Bites that uh, Biden's dog keeps, 11 bites? Absolutely crazy. If if Joe Biden's dog bites, call Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. See you tomorrow, folks.